0: Hey, one more thing before you go. How can you be positive after tragedy? What do you do with your life when you lose a child at a very young age and in a tragic way? How do you find purpose again when you're a mother and a wife and not sure which direction to go after this tragic loss? Stay tuned. We're going to have a conversation with a woman who moves forward and to provide positive support and hope for others going through their grief journey. She's going to show you how she can help you. If you're going through this loss as well, I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode created, developed, and designed, and currently facilitates a virtual brief peer support group. Hope Rieger created this in honor of her son Justin, whose life was tragically cut short at the young age of 19. Her journey through this loss opened her heart to use the pain she experienced for a better purpose by creating an environment to provide positivity, inspiration, and hope to others. Grief to Hope is a virtual peer group support group that allows grievers a safe space to be their authentic self with support of others who understand and know exactly what they're going through. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's great to be
0: here. I uh, really appreciate your journey. I applaud you for where you have come from and where you're at now because you have created an environment for people to uh, move through grief, which we all do at some point in our lives, move through grief um, in different ways. But uh, uh, thank you very much for being here, and thank you very much for developing this program.
1: It is my pleasure. It's my way of honoring my son. I get to say his name probably four or five times a day. To get to talk about him, get to talk about the program. So it's it's a win-win for me as well.
0: That uh, absolutely. I mean, when we can, it it's unique when we can hold the ones that we love that we lost in such a manner that it allows us to help others.
1: Absolutely. You know, I say all the time that this program um, that came about with just the inspiration of getting out of bed, what was going to drive me to get out of bed, what was going to be a a reason for me to honor my son and and give back and create something amazing that people could, could use. And one of the things that I say all the time is when people are grieving, Or when people have traumatic uh, things happen in their life the greatest thing that comes out is they're the most giving people that you'll ever meet and i think it's because we've experienced the lowest and the hardest pain Mm -hmm. um that you can experience in life and and especially when it's a tragic event um we understand the pain and so and we're the help first help. person to give, we're the first person to help, we're the first mm-hmm. person to go and and see what's needed. So it's it's been an amazing learning experience for me as well.
0: Well, it's a journey. It's a life journey. And uh, I like to start at the beginning, if you don't mind. Sure. So where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in a town, a little bitty town in Ohio, um, called Ludlow Falls, which is I don't even know the population, but they were famous for their falls, which I don't think is there anymore. Um, And then we quickly, we moved around quite a bit when I was young um, and several small towns. And as um, we sort of moved from small town Brookville, which is like the east side of uh, Dayton, to Dayton. And then I finally made Xenia my, my home. Um, and that's where I ended up meeting, um, my son's father and, uh, sort of, that's what I call my hometown.
0: And you still, you still live there now?
1: Yes. I just recently moved back here, um, was able to work from home now, um, through my work. So I'm currently back at home, what I consider home. I moved away for a short time, um, in 2015. Um, I moved to Columbus, Ohio for my job. Mm. And then when COVID hit and everything changed and the world changed and um, we were able to work from home, then I was like, this is my opportunity to move back to my hometown and be closer to um, my son and my grandkids that live here.
0: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. COVID, COVID obviously has its negatives, but it also had its positives. I think it allowed us to reset what might be normal and working from home is a very good thing for a lot of people my wife gets to do it two two days a week during covid she did it for almost two years she would take home and work from home during that two-year time period then went back on a a hybrid and it just makes um the home environment so much better when we can be here a lot more instead of always at work it's pretty cool did uh, i
1: think it changed Yeah, it changed the, the, it just changed the way that we feel about work. Like it's not as stressful It's not the commute, it's not coming home. It's not, you know, you can throw a load of laundry in or you can do dishes or lay out food that you wouldn't normally, you know, be able to do. So it put a whole different dynamic on everything. And, and I, I completely agree. It changed a lot of our uh, thoughts and ideas and the way of living.
0: I, I agree. My wife and I got the opportunity to have lunch every day, and you know, get breakfast. Her commute for that two years was thirty seconds from the patio where we sit back and have tea first thing in the morning to the yeah. office, and then her commute home was like from there to the couch. <laughs>
1: right, right. Was, Mine was in the dining room and back. Yes, absolutely.
0: It works well. It does. Uh, did you? Uh, did you ever? Did you go to university?
1: Um, No, I actually went straight from working or from high school. I went straight to uh, working um, at a financial institution and I just started from there. Um, I was a young mother um, straight out of high school and um, I was able to grow within that company and then um, lucky enough to be into my the place that I work now 26 years later um, I'm still with that same company um, just a major financial institution and I get to uh, bring on new hires and um, you know just have that experience of training and so it's really really been rewarding that's
0: outstanding it gives a better quality of life and we can you know enjoy what we do and you know allow ourselves to to live, um, it, your, you said you're, your husband, and you met your husband. <laughs> Is that the? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my. If, if this question sometimes catches people, have um, you stayed married? So. It,
1: so um, I've been married for 15 years, and I was divorced in 2015, um, and then I met my now husband. Um, later in 15 or I'm sorry, in 14, got divorced in 15. Um, and we have been together for eight years, married for four. Um, and it was sort of like you, you, as you get older, your mindset changes of how things were supposed to work. And, um, so having that challenge, I think that first marriage taught me what didn't work, but what did work and what was good for it, and what was bad for it, and so both of us together now we've we've sort of understand what it takes to make a marriage work, and um, we are just truly best friends, and and he is an amazing support of everything that I do, including grief to hope.
0: That's fantastic. Sometimes we need a practice marriage.
1: Yes, I had a practice marriage. You're absolutely right. We'll call it a
0: practice. I I had a practice marriage, and. And now I'm, I'm married to my current wife, 33 years this month, actually, just a few days ago.
1: Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you.
0: We have two wonderful children, and uh, my ex-wife, we're still friends with my ex-wife, actually, which most people find kind of bizarre, but uh, I worked, uh, as you know, I worked in the EMS uh, arena. as was a law enforcement officer. My ex-wife is in EMT, works for the fire department uh, okay. back, back home, so um, we stayed friends, and uh, she's got a kid, and now she's a grandmother. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all cool. It's all about life, it's all about life. Yeah,
1: you know, um, I think the greatest thing was is that we grew to the part where, um, we you know all the kids were grown because he had three and I had two, and mm-hmm. once they grew up, we were like, wow, maybe we don't like like each other as much as we thought we did <laughs> because we were occupied yeah. by the kids. So um, we we still are very cordial. Um, you know, we don't hang out, but we are very cordial and we have. Yeah, we, we don't invite yeah.
0: my wife to dinner, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, she says happy birthday and happy anniversary and, you know, stuff like that and to my kids too. And we say to her kids and, you know, I spent, uh, I know this is your journey, but I spent four years with the domestic violence task force in specific and, you know, it, we just understood that, um. Life does not have to be that way when you have an ex. You know, you can be friends. You can be cordial. You spend a portion of your life together. We learned from that. And we move forward like you did, like I did. We moved forward and created another environment. You know, um, my ex-wife did. Janelle did. She moved forward and created another life. And uh, it's positive. You know, we, I wouldn't have two beautiful daughters that are wonderful. Absolutely the apples of my eye, as the old cliche says. She wouldn't have, you know, a, a son and a granddaughter. So, you know, it's uh, life puts you where supposed to be. You don't always have to be mean to each other. Be nice.
1: Just yes. be nice.
0: Well, yes. <laughs> part of your life story, you and I have, Mom, um, some things in common. We all know that life can change in an instant. And uh, yeah. in regard to that, you have something that happened on November 17th, 2016. Can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember around six thirty in the morning, I woke up to a knock at the door, and um, I lived in a condo in Columbus at this time. And I went, I looked downstairs, and I saw two police officers standing there. And I thought, Oh no, what has that kid yeah. done? Mm-hmm. And speaking of my nineteen-year-old who was spending time between me and and from in our home and zenia, not you know with his friends and back. You know he was doing that back and forth and um he was fearless and so he i thought okay he's gotten somewhere doesn't have mom's number because he lost his cell phone or you know something happened and when i opened the door they asked if i was justin's mom so again that reassured me it was justin because i have an older son um who's seven years older than brian or justin named brian and um they handed me a piece of paper and it was just a simple notebook piece of paper that had a number and a name. And they said, This person's trying to get a hold of you. And I was like, Well, do you know what it's about? And they're like, No, we don't know what it's about. And so um, I thanked them. I shut the door. And I went upstairs. And, and my husband asked what that was about. And I said, It has to do with Justin, you know. And so he shook his head because we all knew Justin was uh, fearless, lived on the edge did his own thing. Um, and so when I called the number, the person on the other line picked up and said Green County Corner. And as you can imagine, as a mother, I thought I've dialed the wrong number. This is a, I don't know what they want with me, you know, and he proceeded to tell me that um, he, he wanted to make sure who I was and that I was Justin's mom and that Um, He was so sorry to tell me this over the phone. And you can hear it in his voice. And I remember fading in and out of the conversation. But when he said um, my son Justin uh, was gone, I I was like, what do you mean gone? Like, where did he go? And um, he just proceeded to tell me the story of what had happened. His roommate and him got into an argument. It started verbal. Um, led to physical um, fighting, and then Justin had him up against the wall, and punches were being thrown, and the roommates pulled a gun out, put it to Justin's chest, and shot, which killed him. Um, and they had been trying to find me because I had moved from our hometown to Columbus. I don't know if it was because my driver's license hadn't been changed yet or not, but um, this happened at 1.30 in the morning, and this was at six thirty in the morning, so I'm frantic, thinking, "How do I find my son? Where do I need to go, and how do I need to fix this?" As a mother, that's what I'm thinking. And he just said, "Ma'am, I'm I'm so sorry. You know, he's gone, and he's at the county morgue um, while they do a it's pending, you know, a murder investigation." And all this was like in and out, in and out, and I remember not knowing what to think or what to say and that changed my life and who I was um, that very moment and I will never be that same person ever again
0: yeah those I've been on the other end of that having to deliver those messages so I I empathize Mm -hmm. with you and I'm really sorry that you had to go through it especially that way Um, but the reality of life changing in an instant like that, especially as a parent. Um, You know, as you know, I'm a father and you know, to me it would be devastating to get that kind of a a message about one of my kids. And um, after you finally kind of, I won't say settled in, but had an opportunity to kind of let it sink in, um, what was your next step? How did you, you find your son?
1: so um once i realized you know what was going on and how um you know you first i just needed to get like i kept thinking to myself i just need to get home and what i mean by home is our hometown xenia which is about an hour and a half two hour drive and i was like how do i get home and fix this it like wasn't registering to me that he was gone it was like how do i fix this like how do i get home and fix this and um telling it through i I had to tell the story over and over to of course my oldest son and, and his father and parents and grandparents and um i i put on this like mask and badge of courage is what I say to get through all those phone calls. And then it was like, okay, hope you got to take control. You got to get home. So then I was like jumping in the shower. And then as I'm in the shower, I just remember it, it's the way that I describe it, it's like the movies when the the shower is just like tears are just blending in with the shower. And um, I get in my car and. Um, I I don't drive, of course, home, but the phone starts ringing, people start finding out. I'm reliving this story over and over again on that whole hour and a half drive. And then as I get to my hometown, people start arriving and to my son's house. And it was almost like I had to relive it hundreds of times over and over describing this story that I really didn't know much about. Like all I knew was, you know, they had an altercation. Um, you know, I don't know if there was a struggle with a gun. I don't know if Justin had any kind of weapon. I didn't know anything. And um, till very later on, till later on that I was told that he... Um, He didn't have any weapons on him whatsoever. It was just a verbal physical altercation that turned uh, Violent uh, once he pulled the gun. There was no hesitation from what I understand. He just pulled it put it to get Justin's chest and shot Um, I don't know to this day um, if any words were exchanged if Justin um, you know said anything or you know, I don't know any of that, and I will never know any of that because the only two people that know one's in heaven, and one's, you know, probably not going to, I'm never going to talk to you ever. Um, in fact, I know I will probably never talk to that person. Um, but from there, it was um, just an emotional roller coaster.
0: Did you? Um Did you? Um if you don't mind me asking, did you attend the trial?
1: So one of the things that, one of the reasons that uh, this took such a turn on me was um, he was in for murder. He bonded out. His parents are somehow bonded him out. Um, And then several months later, um, after the funeral, and we're talking maybe March or April, it went to a grand jury and the grand jury allowed him to plead self-defense and there was never an indictment mm. so because of the way that justin apparently had him up against a wall he used that. he said that there was no exit there was no exit for him to go there was no uh, way that he could exit uh, safely, so he thought his life was in danger, and that's what he played with self-defense. So with that, the anger, the um, revengeful thinking, the hateful, the every possible emotion that you would have as a mother that someone took your son's life and played God, um, and will never have to feel those consequences or never have to experience the pain that I'm going through as a mother of not getting to see Justin grow, become somebody, uh, get married, have kids, do all those things that you know he's gonna be able to do um, was overwhelming. And I remember um, being at a place where I had two choices and this is where everything changed for me leaving that courthouse after finding out that he was not going to be indicted um i remember i can be hateful and angry and resentful and lay in bed and nobody would challenge me right nobody's going to challenge that they're going to say you know she <laughs> lost her son She has every right to be hangry, angry. She has every right to lay in bed for the rest of her life and give up. And nobody's going to change me. Nobody's going to make me say, get up, Hope. You got to go, right? And so I finally realized that I had the, the choice of to stay in that energy and to stay in that negativity and that revenge and hatred. Or I can make the change to take all of that pain, all of that energy into something positive that was going to honor my son in a way that would reflect his life and the way that he lived and the way that I wanted him to be remembered versus the way that he was taken. And I knew that 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 man that took his life was not gonna ever care about me, my thoughts, my feelings, my life, in Justin's life ever. Like he may think about it, he may, you know, it may weigh heavy on him. But at the end of the day, he is not going to make my life any different. Nor does he want to, nor does he probably think about it, or or even feel, I don't know if he even has any kind of ill feelings about it whatsoever. So, I knew in my heart that it was up to me to make that choice and so that's when i knew that i had to be kind to myself and i had to be kind to others and i had to live in a way that was going to be honored and honor to my son
0: that's an interesting (laughs) approach to getting a closure which have you got some form of closure in regard to all this
1: Um, You know, I have I have forgiven him and in my heart. I've forgiven him just because it's it's not I'm not gonna allow him to take away my happiness and my joy Which is one of the things that I feel like when we grieve We don't think we deserve to be happy again We don't feel like we are deserve to feel that joy or we feel guilty Mm -hmm. if we feel happiness and one of the things that i needed to, to do was to let justin know that i was not going to let him and his life go unnoticed or um in vain because of someone else's actions and so that's when i had to make the decision that i was going to live my life differently positively um and and serve like I know you do to serve others the feeling of doing that is way, way better than being sad and upset and lonely and don't get me wrong those days happen but I allow them to be days right not weeks not months day, a day, I allow myself that day. If it's the anniversary of Justin's death or if it's Justin's birthday and I, I allow it to be that day, but I know that it can't consume me and I have to do something with my life and to inspire others to think, you know what, even though you went through this horrific experience, that should teach you, if anything, that this life is so precious that you need to go out and make it incredible for you like i have gone way beyond my wildest dreams and it's because of justin that's that's the whole if i didn't have this tragedy i don't know what i would be doing today i'd probably be taking things for granted right? We do this one well, day, yeah. I'll start it then, I'll do it then. And you never really dream or dream big or try different things. And and so I have Justin to thank for all that.
0: I would say that you got good closure. I'm not a doctor or a therapist <laughs> or a psychologist, but come to an individual that's experienced similar things to you, to what you've gone through, um, losing people in an instant and not being able to say goodbye or say I love you or anything like this, um, yeah, you kind of, I know we all yearn for closure and uh, I think that uh, especially after any type of an incident and, you know, in my professional career as well as my personal career, I can say that a good portion of individuals usually seek just, you know, and and when I say this, I don't want, I'm not trying to trigger anything, but Typically, typically, I'm, I'm giving you kudos for what you've done because most people in that position um, want justice as in I want to see that person in jail, I want to see them convicted. I want to see them sitting in a cell thinking about it every day. and that that gives them closure. You know, I've participated in trials, many many trials. I had a long career in law enforcement in regard to you know people wanting that type of closure. Um, you've taken this to a different level, and I think that you've done it in a brilliant way because it allows you to, like you said, honor your son, honor that grief, honor that loss, and use it in order to motivate and inspire, like you said, other people, to give them uh, tools to be able to move forward in life the way you have. So from that perspective, well done. Thank you.
1: And let me just say that it's, it's been a road. Um, and it just didn't happen in an instant. There was things that I I wrote the attorney general and I did, you know, and I tried to figure out how to overturn a grand jury, which you can't do, um, apparently. And, but in that, in doing that process, it kept coming back to me that you, you, what if you win a civil trial, then what? then what if he's not convicted? And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I'm grateful for is that I feel like my own personal view was that God knew that I couldn't go two years down the line and and just like prolong my grief. Because I think so, that's what happens when you have trials and you have things that last, and you have to relive that story. Mine was sort of like, okay, this is it. This is what's happened. He's not going to pay for this. So what are you going to do about it, Hope? Where are you going to go? What do you need to do to to make this about Justin and how to honor him versus having to relive? I feel so, um, so much pain for people that have to relive. And go through trials that could last one, two, three, four, five years, where they don't have that closure of this is the end. They're convicted. here, they're going to jail, and now you can grieve. Because I think that's what happened for me was like it was like okay, this is this is how it ended. This is where it's going. Now what are you going to do about it? So I think prolonging that um, I think is really really hard, and my heart goes out to people that have to relive that.
0: Yeah, it's a very difficult journey in regard to that uh, for people that go through that because if, like you said, if they don't get a conviction, then then what do you do? And there are people that, um, we'll look at the O.J. Simpson trial. You know, you could see in the, just in the physical changes that took place in Nicole Simpson Brown's father during that time period because he never really got closure. And he just relented and, and, and you know, nothing was was closed for him. He didn't get the conviction. He didn't get what he needed to get in order to close any grief for too many, too many years. And it caused such a I think you could see as see it in his face. His hair turned white early and you know, his wrinkles came early and we don't want wrinkles. We don't want white hair. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and it's so, it's so hard. So hard.
0: Now, I know you wrote a book about this, a memoir. Did, did the book come first and then hope to grief or did hope to grief and then the book?
1: Uh, grief to hope um, was, so basically what happened was right after the conviction was, you know, there was not going to be no conviction. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something. And I didn't know what that was. And so I kept asking God, like, guide me in a purpose, would you please? And uh, he didn't work as fast as I needed him to, which
0: yeah. <laughs> I I, I've that been that. there. I've been there. It's like, right. what are you waiting for? <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. What's, what's the whole time? Um. And so it took me, I did some counseling, and then I joined some, uh, like, a Christian-based support group. And so... I just remember there's a story that I was driving home from one of these uh, groups and I just asked God um, and I'm not a very religious person and I'm very uneducated when it comes to God, but going through these groups and going through what I have, I've learned a lot and I still have a lot to learn. But I remember saying just why Justin, what do you want from me? Um, What's my purpose? There's got to be a reason and i remember hearing the words and i'm not kidding you i heard these words and i tell everybody i'm not crazy it was either on the radio or in my head i don't know if it was god himself but he said just be kind and i talk about this in the book and so i'm like what the heck does that mean i'm just i'm just supposed to be kind like what is that's not a purpose that's what i do now right and um, so i started volunteering and i paid it forward and I have a story that um you know i was in uh, in line i paid it for the guy behind me and then as i drove or as i drove up the cashier's name was justin and i'm bawling because that was my son's name and i'm thinking this is what i'm going to do i'm going to just keep being kind and so i thought i could speak i could write a book i could blog i could and nothing ever seemed to really click and um i started a book and then i put it down and um then i just kept volunteering and trying to serve like like we've talked about um serving just giving um sharing my story helping people and then when COVID hit that put a whole new layer on grief and i remember thinking i couldn't imagine not being able to see justin not having a funeral not having Uh, Or having, you know, people are dropping their husbands and spouses and kids off at the emergency room and not ever seeing them again or FaceTiming them. And and then we're counting deaths by numbers on TV. I'm like, what if Grandpa was like three thousand eight hundred and fifty five in that county? I mean, it was just like I couldn't imagine going through what I went through with Justin in the midst of COVID. So I think it put that other layer on it. And I thought, how can I help? And as you know, we talked about everybody was zooming virtually and it just came to me that I was like, wait a minute, I can have a support group, meet virtually, um, and we can share our stories, be there for each other, talk about, um, you know, what we're going through, not be so alone. They could join me, um, in their pajamas off camera, on camera with coffee, with wine, whatever it took, they didn't have to leave. Um, and so I remember sitting down and creating the grief to hope seven week program. uh, that's still in, in process today. We've had seven sessions of seven weeks over the past two years. Um, I've had people all over the world. Um, Just recently, somebody in Australia was on my program. It's completely free. Uh, We start a new one coming up January. And it's been an incredible experience. And Grief to Hope, the program, was born all because of COVID and what all happened with that. And then um, everybody kept saying, you need to write a book, Hope. You need to write a book. So I finally Finished the book and that was released in um, July of this year.
0: Yeah, that, what an interesting journey, especially. I, I thinking back to what you when you started the conversation, the correlation that, uh, and I'm not a real, I'm not a, I'm a spiritual individual. I don't go to church. I'm going to be honest. I'm a Reformed Catholic, <clears throat> so I don't go to church. But uh, I'm a very spiritual individual. You yeah. you asked for help, and uh, ironically enough, the person at the, uh, the, where you paid it forward was at the window, was named Justin. So you decided to pay it forward at that time, and in doing so, there's a Justin. Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of cool, actually.
1: Yes, yes. I was crying so hard. That kid was probably like lady. I don't know what
0: you're. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh
1: my god, you know it.
0: Our coffee's not that good. <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: It's not that. But yeah, and I was like, thank goodness he didn't buy for the office, like donuts and coffee for everybody at that bill. But um, I was thinking to myself, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't think I could afford to pay everybody every time I'm in the drive-thru line. But I knew serving people in a way that can give them that glimpse of hope is what I needed to do. And I don't know anything about that person behind me that was receiving that that day. And I, I I probably (laughs) sped hugely. I mean, you know, out of that parking lot. So they didn't see me, but I hope that whenever you create this kindness, you know, it, it keeps moving forward. And that's the goal of grief to hope. Like, that's what I want to teach people is that even in the midst of grief, you can still have hope, you can still have dreams, you can still um, live for your loved ones in a way that honors them. Mm-hmm. And not there, I, I try to tell people, it's what gets you out of bed every morning. Um, and it's what motivates you to keep moving forward. And whatever that is, if it's, if it's writing a book, if it's running, if it's just going to work or if it's your yeah. kids, like I say, all the time, mothers who experience, mothers and fathers who experienced the loss of their spouse, they have to keep going on. They have to keep making lunches. They have to keep getting out of yeah. bed. They have to keep, there's that purpose. And, it's so hard if you don't have that purpose. So you have to find that purpose that just drives you. And it and it really is, it can be just an amazing, amazing experience.
0: Well, and, and I think you bring up a good point in regard to purpose. Um, how do I present this? In any situation where we lose something, whether it be a job, a home, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, not necessarily in death, but up to and including loss in, in the form of death, we look back on the purpose that we had been doing, and the purpose that we thought our life was in at that time, and sometimes we're presented with an opportunity to reinvent that purpose. And I think that um, you know, from what from what our discussion has shown, and from what I've been able to see, you were able to brilliantly take that and recreate purpose in your life, so that you moved that forward, like you said, in a very positive way. You created this this as you said, seven step program.
1: Seven week. Uh, seven week program. program. Uh huh. yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit about the seven week program. Um, like, how does it work? Do you? You come on each week, and, and anybody can come in. I know you said that it's free, which is was amazing. Um, you know, there needs to be a way to help you to cover those costs, because I know that it got to cost you somewhere. Um, <laughs> but you know, tell walk us through that. What happens when you go into uh, like a, a week one, week two, week three kind of a thing?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. Oops, and the second. way that I tell this is what, one the second. Way that it,
0: yeah, I, I went, actually went there, so I'm gonna ask you now. Tell tell me about the seven week program.
1: Okay, perfect. So one of the things that um, Grief to Hope is is the greatest things is I tell everybody when it when I say it's free, everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's free. How do you cover that? And I'm like, people have golf that they pay for. They pay big bucks to play golf. I do this because this means the world to me this is what um honors my son so um the support program that i offer is it's 7 weeks and the first week we it's grief to hope the first week is an introduction sort of like what i've done here sort of provide my why what happened to me my story why you know i created grief to hope Um, I ask for people to introduce themselves, but nobody is required to ever speak. They don't have to come off camera. It's a very casual atmosphere. Um, If you don't want to speak, you don't have to. I don't call on anybody. Um, We have a lot of people that rejoin each, you know, each session after session or each program after program because it's a repeat. Um, and then once that introduction <laughs> call, it's, a, it's an hour long. We do it on Thursday nights via Zoom. The next week we come in and we spell the word grief. So G would be the second week, which is a gift of time. So we talk about the main topics are like, you know, how has time helped? How has time not helped? What do people expect from you? Like, do they tell you to hurry up? Do they want you to get back to normal? What does time all mean? And then we speak to that for an hour. And we open it up for discussion as well. Once we're done, if we're done talking about time, um, for anything that's gone on for the week, or if anybody's struggling with something, uh, we want to make sure that we talk about that, and everybody, you know, gets to know. Uh, you know each other in that way if they want to introduce themselves share their story and then i always end with a quote and these quotes are all of them are in my book i think i have over 60 but um i've created quotes to go with each session and i will create a new one for every session going forward um as long as i can and then we go to r for grief and that's receive help how does how do you ask for help how do you receive help is there Something that, you know, you didn't like or you didn't experience or you thought, you know, people should be uh, providing certain amount of help and you're not getting it. Or, you know, how do you take the pride out of the receive help kind of factor? And then we go to I is inspire, which is not usually associated with grief. But it's just like we talked about, you have to have something that inspires you every day to get out of bed. And you have to find what that is. And it may be something as simple as your children needing your, you know, you need to get up, you need to make lunches, whatever that may be. Or it could be as, as, as big as writing a book that is that inspires you or running a marathon or whatever it could be. E is for expectations. And what do you expect? out of people when you're grieving? What did they expect from you? And a lot of times people have the expectation that grief only lasts a certain amount of time and then it's over and done with and you're back to normal. And that's not the case. Um, It's an ongoing for the rest of your life and it can spark, it it could dim, it it could be like a hurricane, it can be very, you know, it could be a sprinkle. It, It just never ends. Um, but what do people expect and what do you expect from people? And then F is feel everything. And I love this one because it sort of came into like a show and tell kind of thing, where we bring pictures and share stories and talk about memories and, and we ask, you know, what's their favorite topping on a pizza or what was their favorite TV show? and. We just get to say their name, and it feels so good to them, and you see their smiles. Because when people ask me about Justin, I'll be the first one to smile and tell you everything I can about him. And then the last session in the course or in the program is to hope. And it's basically, what's your next steps? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And it's usually linked to that inspiration, but I also look at it as, Depending on how long it's been in your grief, like we have people it's been 13 years, we have people it's been 13 weeks, we have people that's been 30 years, and, it, and we don't judge, we have utmost respect uh, for anybody that's going through grief, whether it's grandma had an amazing life, but it's still grief. To a tragic event such as mine, where my son was killed, you know, in a traumatic way. So we don't judge that. We don't say your grief is worse than my grief or, or anything like that. We're all in this together. So, with two hope, it's what's that next step? And it could be something as simple as I want to go through their things, or I want to walk up to that grave and. Like literally walk to it, not just sit in the car. It can be something as simple and as little as you want it to be or as big as you want it to be. But the goal of Grief to Hope is getting you to know what that next step is and move forward. And then we take a break and then we come back and sometimes it's five weeks, sometimes it's seven weeks. And we do that program all over again Um, and people join several times. They can join one session. They can join any session that they want. They can come and go as they please. Um, it's just there. And it and it's open. And it's um, something that um, I hope helps um, and makes you not feel so alone.
0: That's a brilliant step program. I'm very happy that you created that environment for people to move forward. If somebody, what would you think, what would you say would be the first thing someone needs to do if something if they get that knock on the door, they get that life changed in an instant phone call, or the the knock on the door? Because I know that you had some issues. Um, you immediately had to start making phone calls for some things, and and so forth. And and you know, you didn't really have help in the beginning. Um, what would you say the first step is? Um,
1: the very first step is to take a minute step back um, one of the things that I think happens in a funeral is is and when tragedy strikes is we feel like we have to hurry up and rush and we have to tell everybody this and we have to make these plans and we have to get pictures and we have to get we have to have the best of the best of the funeral and you know we have to stand for three hours out of viewing because there are so many people it's take that step back and do what's right for you because at the end of the day you're the one that's going to be living with the 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 all of those memories and all of those actions that you took after that event there were so many things um, that i wish i could have done differently after justin's passing But I was in such a mode that I was worried about everybody else that I was trying to hurry up and get it taken care of so that everybody else's life could go back to normal. And then I stood, and what I say is like a cold, hard rain, thinking, what the hell am I going to do now? Right? Everybody goes back to their normal life. I've hurried. I've gotten this done. I've taken care of everything. Now it's just me. And so your first thing is just to stop and think about what you're doing and make sure it's the right thing for you.
0: That's a perfect first step. Take a breath. Help them take yeah. a breath. Um, yes. You're, within your book, are there some steps or some things that people can do within the book? Let's talk about the, the book and Absol- your...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So within my book, I go through this program. I talk about exactly what it's about. Um, I You can absolutely utilize that. I am working on a workbook to go along with the program because um, I think it's important to write things down. So, one of the greatest things with Grief to Hope is I tell my story, I tell it, it's raw. Let's be, And I'm going to be honest with you, I the most uh, reviews that I've got is that it is intense. And it is intense. It is, I do not make, um, I don't sugarcoat anything. I talk about it because it needs to be talked about. And so, I've had several people say, it is so intense, I had to put it down and then come back. And that's okay. But it's real and it's raw and it's it's transparent. And that's what I wanted the book to be. I did not want to put fluff in it because grief. There's nothing there's nothing glorious about grief. Right. Um, So work yourself through the best thing that I can say with the, the book is like get to the point where we talk about the program and see if things you know, if you reflect and say, oh, that happened to me or yes, that would help. Or, you know, mark it off, highlight it, do whatever, Um, you know, you can walk yourself through this program, even with the book. I mean, I walk you through all the steps with the book and to have that, um, you know, as a side pocket to say, you know, read the quotes at the end of the book. I did 52 quotes, um, inspirational quotes, have them once a week, read it. Um, But just, yeah, you can guide through the whole program with just the book.
0: And the name of your book,
1: Grief to Hope.
0: For those individuals that are listening and, and not watching. Um, and I know that you've got a website that people can visit you.
1: Absolutely. It's grief to hope, www.grief, the number two hope support.com. And you can go on there. You can find my book link. You can find all about the program. You can find all about me. Uh, you can see a beautiful picture of my son on the back. Um, which I love. Um, and the greatest thing about the book um, is my 10-year-old granddaughter took the photo that is on the cover. She is oh, so cool. proud of that.
0: <laughs> very cool. Yeah, yeah very so it's cool. a
1: beautiful photo out my backyard. Um, and so she took this photo. And I was like, I think I'm, Nana's going to use that. So she's super excited. Her name's on Amazon. She loves it.
0: <laughs> oh, very cool, very cool. And then get the book on Amazon. Uh, as well and then there'll be links within your website and I'll make sure all that stuff's in the show notes as well for those individuals that are looking to connect with you that are listening and uh, to make sure they know where to go and where to get your book um this is one more thing before you go so before we go do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share
1: I love this quote that I created and I'm going to read it um it says wake up each day with hope in your heart fire in your soul power in your mind and the value of today you
0: in it brilliant words of wisdom thank you for sharing <laughs> those words of wisdom thank you for being on the show and sharing your journey with me I really appreciate it uh, and Absolutely. again kudos for where you have come from and where you're at now please continue to spread that positivity I think you're doing a really good job
1: I appreciate it so much Michael, thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at
0: beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.